Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, uh, October 29th. Uh, I'm Charlie Fink. I'm here with Ted Shilowitz. It's This Week in XR, and our guest today is Jim Heppelman, CEO of PTC, the company that is leading the digital transformation of industry in the U.S. and the world. But first, let's get to the big story. Facebook is meta. This week in the Facebook metaverse. This week in meta. Now we've shortened <laughs> it up. We've gotten, we've tightened the word up. Oh my gosh. What a news day yesterday. For those of you in XR, stop listening to me and go watch the uh, Facebook uh, Connect keynote, which really was a 70 minute movie produced by Facebook. Right. And, and I know, Tony, for, for what, a year plus, we've been saying, all in, all in, all in. But now, like, it's wow. taking to a whole new level, right? Of all in. Just well, the economics. Know, as much as they use the word open and community, uh, I think they threw down Facebook's going to own the whole shebang. They're certainly uh, taking their shot at it and, and committing the resources to do it. And, you know, I've been snarkily saying for the past couple of months, how the hell are they spending $10 billion? Well, now we know. Yesterday, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, if you were wondering how you spend ten billion dollars a year, they showed us. Right, right. Um, and it's and an interesting bet, right? I mean, oh my gosh, it's a it like you know the, it's the go big or go home strategy yeah. applied like you can't even get bigger on, than on, on to the nth scale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess we should, for those of us listening, uh, kind of break down all of the announcements. Of course, the big announcement that change of the corporate umbrella in the way that Google's corporate umbrella is now alphabets. So Facebook's will be meta uh, and meta will be the sort of, I think the trading, trading symbol MRSV or something. Uh, and then the company will be organized into future products or a future platform, I should say, uh, which is really significant name um, because when Zuck started all this stuff with Oculus, he stated, and he's been very consistent, I have to say, give this to Zuck, uh, he's been very consistent and unwavering. Um, and, you know, he said at the time, this is a platform play, right? This is not us making a product or making a headset. This is us saying, we want to own iOS, we want to own Windows, we want to own our own Android operating system and thereby um, not constantly be, um, you know, a subordinate technology or an app for other people's platforms. Right. So, so they've divided the company up into future platforms and family of apps. And so WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, and, and, and so forth. And, and the 10 billion a year is going into obviously future platforms. Uh, whereas all the revenue is coming out of the family of apps. Yeah. The existing, the existing stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, so, um, you know, that was the last announcement. In a way, it's the most theoretical and, and least interesting. Uh, you know, the most interesting was the many, many specifics. The video is packed with special effects. I mean, if, if people had it in for Microsoft and Magic Leap for making fantasy videos about um, AR, uh, I don't know where they're going to start with this because the whole thing was like a science fiction movie. Yeah. Well, and of course, from my perspective, that is how you create the future is you visualize it. Right. You tantalize it. You get people excited about what it might be by essentially using the practical tools that we have now, visual effects, computer graphics. Right. Um, and then slowly but surely, you know, you get the, the Star Trek communicator becomes the, the yeah. Motorola cell phone, right? Well, so they, 
they, they cer certainly laid that out in spades. Um, so let's talk, start with the concrete. Okay. Uh, the most concrete announcement was, uh, in my view, Project Cambria, uh, which is a new VR headset. It is not the Quest Pro or the Quest 2 Plus. It is a whole new headset uh, that can be tethered or untethered uh, like the Quest, but has much higher end optics, better field of view, slimmer form factor. Uh, and I don't know other, what other bells and whistles we're going to see. They were not super forthcoming, but the idea is that they're now going to start producing, not iterating on the Quest, but producing a family of devices, if you will, uh, along the cost spectrum with Quest representing the cheapest one. And then the new advanced uh, headsets co uh, costing more. And I think possibly a lot more based on how much he apologized for the cost without telling us what the cost was going to be. Yeah, but would I, be right. I, I think it's going to be probably comparable more to a Vive index, uh, I mean, Valve index, than it's going to be to the to the quest. Uh, yeah. And of course, you and I will be the first ones in line to, to get our hands on it. Um, because, you know, the one thing about the Quest 2 and its very good optics is it really makes you want great optics. <laughs> it's just never enough. It's so much better than the original Quest, yet so much less than we know it can be. Um, but um, but that was a real announcement of a real product. So yeah, and this is this is carrying along the lineage of, of other compute-based screen products, which you and I talk about all the time, right? The desire for more sophistication, more resolution, different form factors across different use cases is how a company matures and finds product lines, right? So you know, Apple is obviously a perfect example of that in terms of you know their extremely uh, expensive, always top of the line machines that have form factors that are not particularly portable, not particularly nimble, but designed for you know, people that are working and need massive compute processing, right? And then there are the sort of everyman devices that actually continue to gain more and more power and more sophistication that most of us use on a daily basis, which are the mobile devices, the tablets. Now, the, other thing they, the other thing they talked about a lot, uh, let me see if I can find the right phrase for this, is okay. the Robloxification of the metaverse. That's a really, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. Because clearly they realize that just like in uh, the internet and mobile uh, periods, user-generated content is, is what the medium is made of. I refer to this as the YouTube effect, right? Is, yes, is, exactly. We moved from largely one-to-many professional companies having lots of bars and, and limitations on anybody other than professionals being able to create professional media to almost suddenly with the you know, divisification of consumer goods, everybody could be a TV producer and a good TV producer. Well, and, and a lot of the things that YouTube did very well, and, and again, so, so does Roblox, is they they found a way to incentivize creators. And so that is what Facebook is knows it needs to do. I don't think the mechanism is immediately clear. They'll start by throwing some money out there, some chum in the water, just to see what fish they can attract. Yep. Uh, and uh, they'll go from there. But I thought that that was a very important realization that you need to have a functioning economy to uh, create a thriving community because the builders, the makers of the digital goods and the virtual places need incentives just like the YouTube creators needed to become professional, to build at scale um, and to feel like they can, in essence, homestead this new landscape. Uh, and I, I, I thought that was 
very prescient of them. The other thing I really liked about, I mean, they talked a lot about AR devices that are probably a decade away, to be honest. Uh, and they had Ambrash on there, the famous Michael Ambrash, who was one of the developers of the Quest headset, uh, the original Oculus headset. So he's, I think, one of the few original guys who are still hanging in there. A very, very nice and brilliant guy. And he started laying out the product problems they're trying to solve at AR. And I'm just shaking my head like, holy crap. Yeah. That is going to take a really long time. Yeah. Um, but setting that aside, um, the vision they have of, create, of mingling VR and AR, which as you know, in all of this metaverse talk we've been having uh, for the past couple of months, I've been asking everybody, I don't get what the relationship is of VR, AR in the physical world. If we have just a metaverse inside of virtual reality, I'm covered, I get it. But now if we're bringing the physical world and the augmented reality world, right? The digital twin of the real world into the metaverse. Now I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what we're doing. And yet using their special effects and animation, they kind of made a case for it that was kind of compelling, I thought. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Well, you know, and, and in, in my world, in my work, well, now I'm, I'm overusing this term just like the metaverse, but we're building the holodeck. Right, we're actually creating all of the use cases of this digital twinning of, okay, I need something to be real, but I don't need to physically go there, right? I, I need it to actually have a representation more than just pixels on a flat screen and the multiple devices that it's gonna take and the effort it's gonna to take to get there. Now companies are realizing this is the next big compute opportunity. And, and it is really interesting. Um, certainly, you know, now Meta, has taken up, like you said, a lot of the air in the room and calling themselves out as the unqualified leader in the space. But we know that's not true. It's going to take a gigantic ecosystem of companies like our guests that we're going to have on in a minute uh, of all forms and sizes to actually create this. And the constant and continual debate about where do the wall gardens stop and start when the philosophy of the metaverse is interoperability and being able to share from place to place and bring your assets and your world in a totally seamless way versus the business reality of how that's gonna actually come to, come to fruition. Well, right? well, one thing is for sure, and we could talk to Jim Heppelman when we have him on in a minute about this, but the um, enterprise applications of these technologies continues to be the largest near-term revenue opportunity. Um, you know, Digital transformation is gonna happen in the factory before it happens in the home. Right. And, uh, you know, these are companies that are anxious to adopt new technologies. Um, any place it can make their business better. Let me ask you this question, Charlie, because I've been talking about this now for years in some fashion. And it seems like, you know, our friends Zuckerberg and friends and others are, are now starting to help make this kind of concept real. Do you think in the next homes that we buy or, or our kids buy, for example, right, mm -hmm. the next generation of home buyers? And the, and the companies that create homes in, in all spaces or, or retrofit and redesign homes or remodel homes. There's going to be a, the, the modern sort of rec room, so, so to speak, the modern um, device room, the, the holodeck room. You're mm -hmm. going to have a room mm -hmm. in your house that will essentially be designed around this technology platform to give you a place to actually execute on all these, whether that's playing games or socializing or you know, hanging out with your relatives or doing productivity. Um, as opposed to the daily commute in the car, you will do the daily commute into the into the meta. I'm just curious if you have a perspective on that. I, I think that's decades away. So when you say our children's homes, I, you may be talking about our grandchildren's homes. Yeah, you're probably right. 
Um, but you know, you certainly see technologies. We were talking about Lightfield Labs that that demoed their new technology, and that's the ability, essentially, of the walls in your home to generate holograms, uh, essentially objects made of light, and that is, of course, what the holodeck is. So when will we have that as consumers rather than television sets? When will we have those fully immersive kind of rooms? Uh, I would say two decades from now, maybe. Yeah, at scale. Right, right. You know, I, I have a, I have a so much has to happen before that yeah. that really has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I have a place in my house that used to have a lot of stuff in it that I've essentially cleaned out to give me a, you know, 15 by 15 open space to put on functionally every any any headset yeah. I might need, whether it's wired or wireless. And of course, my propensity, just like yours, is wireless freedom. And it becomes uh, sort of a modern playroom. And when mm -hmm. friends come over, relatives come over, it becomes the new hangout spot. Oh, oh I do think that people will start clearing out places yeah, in their house to do VR. I mean, I already have that. Uh, and, and listen, we live in smaller places. Um, you know, so you really have to give that some thought if you want to yeah. do any kind of ping pong or anything even slightly active in VR. So I do think the idea that people will preserve spaces and keep them clear because that's their VR space uh, is happening now. Yeah, I think we're just early, early examples of that. You know, when I was uh, in New York, you know, I was constantly rearranging my apartment to do, <laughs> to do VR. And at some point, if, if my wife wasn't there or uh, if nobody was coming over, I'd just leave it like that. <laughs> so I don't think if we're very far away from people organizing their spaces around uh, a VR. Uh, one last parting shot on the Facebook deal, of course, is the, you know, it was, of course, very exciting and, and thrilling to me, really. I mean, this is stuff we've been talking about for, you know, half a dozen years, uh, or, and some of it for, for decades. Yeah. So I was very, very excited to see all that come together. But there were a few things that that bothered me, to be frank. Okay, yeah, let's hear. I'm curious. Okay, so first of all, every time they said AI, I winced. Hmm. I mean, they have done a terrible job of controlling AI on the platform. They have done a terrible job anticipating unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. And the idea of those same people um, taking on the metaverse is a little scary to me because they've already proven they are entirely heedless uh, of those issues. And uh, they're very good at deflecting them. Right. Well, they certainly want another shot at it right now. The yeah, question is, I, I just, they... you know, when you watch what's going on in real life with the old company, you start to worry a little bit that these same people are going to be trusted with the metaverse. Yeah, yeah. And I just think that's real. I also think every time he used the word humility, I also cringed because this is not a man with whom the word humility should ever be associated. And it just comes across as extremely disingenuous when he says it. You know, part of the problem that Zuckerberg has, this is the old Michael Eisner problem when he tried to put himself on TV at, as Walt Disney. It is so obviously inauthentic it almost works. Mark is different than regular humans. And every time he tries to portray himself as a regular human, uh, the less we think of him. And, you know, this is something that Bill Gates had the same problem. That's why eventually he made Balmer the public face of the company, because he was too big of an out of touch nerd to convince anybody of anything. So at a certain point, he became self-aware and, and stopped doing that and, and trotted Balmer out there and let him deal with it. And I don't know who Zuck could trot, trot out. Clearly he is the company, um, but uh, I think that is something we should be concerned with that he has, uh, listen, on one hand, if he didn't have total control, no one would do this. 
right? If he didn't have control over one of the richest companies in the world, this wouldn't be happening. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, I, gosh, I owe him a huge personal and public debt, you know, really, because he is making this industry single-handedly. But the flip side of that point is he's entirely unaccountable to anybody, both for the misdeeds of his subsidiary Facebook and the future misdeeds of uh, the meta company in the metaverse. So I I remain very concerned about that level of control and that lack of accountability, right? Facebook, if it were a public trust, at least we could, um, uh, at least we could vote out uh, malefactors should they exist, right? There's somebody ultimately has to face the voters. So as you're, as you're walking through all that, the phrase that comes to mind, which is interesting is, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, yes, right? Exactly. It's a very famous phrase. From and the who? A lot of times, <laughs> yeah. And, um, Won't and- get fooled again. We'll go back to the George Bush uh, uh, use of that quote. Uh, fool me once, once you're a fool. Me, yeah. Fool yeah, me yeah. twice, don't fool me three times. Yeah, Google Google George Bush fool <laughs> me and you'll get the proper complete misadaptation of it. Uh, anyway, you know, that- the announcement yesterday, truly one of the reasons I love covering this business. Uh, you know, the drama never ends. Uh, and the stakes, uh, right? The stakes are super high for the I planet. Mean, I think we're going to have to one day have a bake-off and see who really is Tony Stark. Is it Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg? Yeah, if I had to vote today, I would say Elon. Spending, you know, actually spending time at SpaceX. I'd well, I was going to say, like, spending time at space, space may trump the metaverse. At least today, um, although we'll see. So, so let's bring on our guest, Jim Heppelman, the CEO of PTC, uh, one of the nicest and most interesting guys in our industry. Uh, welcome, Jim. Jim, thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, great, great to be here, John. So, uh, as you know, we've been discussing Facebook all morning. They've kind of sucked the air out of the room, at least for those of us following the news. Um, what, what was your take on it? Well, I mean, I think the concept they're working on is uh, an important, powerful next generation of, of uh, social media, really. But, uh, you know, here at PTC, I'm more interested in how do you take some of these ideas like metaverse and apply them in the industrial world to make businesses more productive and, and uh, you know, achieve better operating results in a business. So interesting ideas. I'm a little bit more on, you know, how does a business use it to make money, frankly? I think, I think Jim, maybe you should back up a step and let our listeners um, know a little bit about PTC, because while you do a lot of things, they're probably not in the consumer layer yeah, that yeah. a lot of people are aware of. So maybe yeah, that, that's true. And, and PTC is not really a consumer brand because we're really a B2B uh, software company. But right. yeah, PTC is a fairly large uh, software company. We're historically known for engineering software. But um, in recent years, we expanded uh, in particular into two fields. One is Internet of Things. We have a well-known IoT platform or industrial IoT platform called ThingWorks. And then we also expanded into augmented and virtual reality with a well-known product called uh, Vuforia. And so uh, there are many use cases for IoT and many use cases for augmented reality and then there's some really interesting use cases that blend the two together. And so, for example, uh, if, if you're in charge of a factory producing uh, discrete process hybrid products, you know, you're worried about the efficiency of that plant and you can collect a lot of data from the machines with IoT. 
go guide and collect data from the people with augmented reality. And now you can have machines and people working better together. Uh, but the other thing you could do is take it to the next level and construct a metaverse, a, a virtual replica in real time of that whole environment, including the workers and the machines and collect a whole new set of data too. So uh, that's a little bit the vision of where we're going with all this is uh, try to figure out ways to make products better, make manufacturing processes better, and frankly, make uh, service processes that happen after the sale better as well using these technologies. Well, and again, as a, as a layer below that sort of consumer awareness, I think a lot of people, even our listeners probably don't know uh, number one, how large your company is, how many employees it has, the kind of scale and scope it has. So maybe you want to sort of like- you've been Yeah, around we're, about a, we're about a billion and a half dollars worth of uh, software revenue per year, uh, right around 7,000 employees. We do business with about 30,000 industrial companies. I mean, kind of the who's who of everything from planes, trains, and automobiles to uh, appliances and watches and clothing and, and so forth. So there's a lot of products that your listeners interact with every day that are made by companies using our software in the background. It's just, you're not aware necessarily that our software is uh, used in the background. So maybe this IOT thing might catch on, Charlie. I don't know. It sounds like there's a business. You know, I was just prepping for this um, podcast. I was watching some PTC video and uh, I was looking at a Volvo engine through yeah. the eyes of the uh, quality assurance engineer who had to check all 35 points of it. And using yeah. Euphoria, they create a digital twin. They map it over the physical engine. Yeah. And, and then they use AR to basically guide the technician through every point that they need to check, which must save the company millions yeah. of hours a year. <laughs> it does. Let, let me tell you a little bit more about that Volvo engine story. It's really interesting. So it turns out that that Volvo engine might have a turbocharger or it might not. It might have two turbochargers. It might have California emissions or it might not. So there's a lot of options. And then you start saying, wow, you could end up with many different combinations of those options. And in fact, that engine can come in 4,000 different configurations. So the next one that's produced, how do we know it's right to match the customer order? Well, we'll go back upstream to all the digital models to find the right configuration, use those 3D shapes to train our computer vision engine, which will then lock on to that exact engine and take you through that exact engine's inspection process to make sure it has two turbos, not just one, not zero, but two turbos, for example. So it's really powerful technology and uh, the ability to augment this data into the physical world is so powerful because in the past you had a piece of paper and a very complex engine. And your job was to make sure that everything written on that piece of paper was implemented on that engine. Now we throw the piece of paper away and we map onto the engine. There should be a turbocharger right about here. Is there? Yes, okay, perfect. All the information that was, that was on the paper is being placed on the physical object. Yeah, the digital It is, object. it's all graphical and it's mapped right in the right place. And you know, there's a, there's a big, uh, there's a big context uh, switching problem that has to happen when you read information on paper or, or frankly on a computer screen and you turn to the real world and say, does it match? Well, first of all, I got to remember it all. Then I somehow have to map from 2D paper or computer screen to the 3D practical reality. I have to scale it. Anyway, there's lots of uh, cognitive load required of humans to map digital information onto the physical world. And of course, augmented reality does that for you. It's just uh, 
really yeah. awesome. Well, and as you were doing your research this morning, I was doing a, a peek as well, Charlie, and I noticed their company started in a very auspicious year, 1985, which we all sort of, you know, remember as the, <laughs> the beginnings of the Macintosh era, right? Yeah. So you've not, you've, you're, you know, we, we're all, we all show our age in interesting ways, right? And we get around yeah. in terms of the, uh, of the screw here in terms of how technology has evolved and your company has kind of evolved from the mid eighties to now, which is kind of an amazing yeah. and, and, and back in the mid eighties, we were best known for inventing 3D parametric computer-aided design software. We yeah, had a famous yeah, product yeah. called uh, Pro Engineer, which of course has evolved over time and still alive and well as a famous product called uh, Creo. But now we have many other uh, products as well, including a new famous, becoming famous 3D product that's pure SaaS-based called Onchain, which if you have kids and they're in high school or college in some kind of an engineering program, I'll bet they're using Onshape right now because it's just so powerful to put this stuff in a SaaS delivery model. Is um, Now, you have just personally an interesting history with PTC because you came to the company when they acquired your company. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a fun story. I had started a little startup company trying to do product lifecycle management in a, you know, on a web server, which was at the time a pretty innovative idea. And uh, I had taken some angel money, let's call it, from a company called Computer Vision. And PTC, unbeknownst to me, proceeded to acquire Computer Vision. So they acquired my investor. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I was accidentally acquired by PTC. So you got and, the tag uh, along anyway, right. Anyway, in the end, they, they bought out the rest of our shares and I became a PTC employee. And then over time, you know, it, it took me a decade, frankly, but uh, sooner or later, I became the CEO of that company <laughs> that accidentally acquired my pre-revenue startup company. But uh, like I said, it took a decade. Good story. You got you got dragged along for the ride. It turned out to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I was the chief technology officer uh, for most of that decade. So, uh, you know, PDC ended up being a great home for me. And, you know, we went on to make many other acquisitions. And uh, and I think it's. You know, the company's become a good home for a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. and a lot of great uh, technology businesses. Where are you based out of? Where are you, where are you based out of? Where are you calling us from? Yeah, I'm uh, here at our corporate headquarters uh, in the Boston Seaport Innovation District, which is right down by the waterfront, not far at all from the airport uh, here in Boston. It's, it's an awesome building that you opened right, right just in time for the pandemic to empty it out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We've been here about two and a half years, and it really is an awesome building, but Sometimes people say, well, how does your new headquarters work? And I say, you know, well, for a year, it was really awesome. And then yeah. that was a year and a half ago, and I haven't seen many people since. But they're starting to come back. Uh, well, it, when I saw it, it had, that, it had that great new building smell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it smelled yeah. like the painters had just awesome. left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very iconic business uh, building, if, if any of you have been in Boston lately. And you look at it, it's sort of a... Uh, let's call it a somewhat circular glass building with a big chamfer sliced out of it. So it's quite notable and uh, it's been a great place to work. This area of Boston is up and coming and a lot of the millennials and Gen, Gen Xers and so forth that we employ, they absolutely love this area. It's been a great, great place to work if and when well, we go back to working in a building. And of so, course, this might be an interesting question. Do you know, was your software used to design some or all of the building? Is that? Uh, no, not, not to be honest, not really, because uh, <laughs> the CAD systems that are used in construction are actually a whole different genre than the CAD system used for products. And I'll spare you why that's different, but 
is quite a different engineering and manufacturing process. Understood. So how many times did your phone ring uh, at the beginning of March 2020 with clients saying, how do we run our business without anybody being actually in the factory? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, we were very proactive. We reached out to them and we said, uh, here's a lot of support we can give you. And here's a lot of ways you ought to think about using our technology because it could be quite helpful. Uh, you might remember, Charlie, for example, we made our Vuforia augmented reality uh, technology, in particular, this piece called Chalk for remote support. We yep. made that freely available to companies. And uh, I don't know, maybe 10,000 manufacturing companies quickly adopted it as a way for a remote worker to provide support to somebody who had to work in the factory, um, you know, using augmented reality. And so I'd say in the end, I, I, I don't ever want to be happy about this, but but COVID put a lot of pressure on companies to think about how do we work differently with people all over, some are at home, some are in the office, some are in the factory. How do you make that work better? And the answer, frankly, is you buy more software. I mean, at some level. And uh, it's been quite a good driver for our business, although certainly COVID is a horrible thing by so many other dimensions. Sure, but the tech industry is, has just been booming. Since, yeah. since the onset of the pandemic. I also think that, that in particular tech has a workforce that is uniquely suited for remote work. So yeah. while, while a lot of companies were disrupted, I'm not sure that many tech companies really were. Yeah, look, just continued doing what they were doing from a different location. Yeah, let, let me share my thought on that though. I, I mean, certainly I think even in the early days we were more productive at home because you know it's like all the noise stopped and we just worked hard and by the way there was no clear boundary between home and work. And it started at seven in the morning. Right. And you reclaim all that commuted time and spouse. hanging out time. Yeah, for sure. You, you saved a lot of time. But I think what's happening is that relationships are hard to develop and even maintain that way. Like a new employee starts. It's hard to get to know somebody just sure. in Zoom or Teams meetings. And it's hard to maintain a customer relationship at the level we used to have them. So I sort of view like a hybrid model is probably best so that we can have some of those efficiencies, but also, you know, regain some of that, uh, you know, water cooler talk that's disappeared in the uh, in the era of Zoom and Teams. Well, it's also so important for for mentorship, as you said, um, you know, which is what what is mentorship but proximity and observation. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, and, and no, I tell you back back to the metaverse concept and and Facebook and so forth. You know, we do think again, it needs to be hybrid, but we think what if you could digitize in real time some remote place and just go there and look around and see the people and, and actually interact with them. You know, uh, to them, you're a hologram. To you, they, the whole space they're in is a hologram. But it feels like you're side by side, side by side. It feels like you're talking. It feels like you're coaching them. You're saying, no, come over here. The problem's on the backside of this machine. You know, it's a really powerful idea. I'm very, very excited about it. Um, you know, it'll take a while, obviously, for these ideas to catch on, but they're coming because the ability, let's say, uh, for somebody in a tech support hotline to project themselves anywhere and just show up and completely understand the situation, uh, it's a big idea. Uh, yeah, I, one of the I things we're working on, by the way, in our labs here is an idea we call a pop-up metaverse. So I'm somewhere I have a problem. I'm not in a metaverse. How could I just using like depth sensing phones in five minutes, create a metaverse that I could then invite people into and interact with them. 
And uh, I think, you know, with the latest generations of depth sensing phones, right now you need a few of them, but uh, you, can, you can actually make this happen. And, you know, we're pretty close to launching some products that do that. Yeah, that's a very powerful metaphor that you're referring to, the idea of, a, of creating a, a digital space that has a spatial sense to it. Uh, effectively instantly with technology. And I would almost argue knowing, you know, a, a fair amount about your company and living in the euphoria, the cycles and sophistication of buildup of euphoria with my friends from Qualcomm for many years. And yeah. we were involved um, with a with a company uh, called ODG that you would know well that yep. was a big, big yep. use of that, that, you know, lived and died through the <laughs> through the the, the ages of, of uh, building up these tools. And but their legacy is still very important. I'm sure you knew them well. Um, I would argue that your company has always been in a sector of the metaverse and you were just essentially waiting for the vision that your company saw early on and the tool sets of what we use as data as we're doing yeah. right now, right? We're both on video yeah. and audio very easily and you create sort of this dynamic and your company has been doing that for you know 40 plus years in some fashion. Now the world is just catching up to your vision, maybe a little bit of my vision, a little bit of Charlie's vision. It's really quite fascinating to talk to companies like yours. Yeah, yeah, for sure, Ted. I mean, uh, 3D modeling of products, the whole idea was a digital mock-up right. that would preclude the need to create prototypes. You know, but you have to have a completely accurate digital model that you can test and stimulate and so forth. So that was a metaverse applied to a product. Now we're just saying, yeah, why stop there? Go, why go not capture all, yeah. the people and the space and the machines and and instrument all this stuff and oh wow so yeah it's a it is kind of a continuous arc of innovation it's been a lot of fun you know met a lot of great people along the way a lot of great technology i'm pretty excited about where it's going you know not just for pdc but for our whole industry in terms of bringing green and efficiency and you know all the good things that come with uh with you know appropriate use of digital technology yeah i couldn't agree more so, Jim, you have one of the things about PTC that's so interesting is you have offices all over the world. I mean, you are a truly international company. Um, is uh, do you think the rest of the world is in a similar spot to the U.S. with regard to COVID? Are they uh, still behind us? What, what's happening? Yeah. With How's it affecting you internationally? Yeah, I mean, everywhere in the world still has lockdowns and work from home, you know, how, how they react as a society and, uh, and then also how they deploy technology, I think varies a lot. You know, China, of course, has very strong central control. They just say, you'll all stay home for the next month and everybody does, you know. Right. In the US, those things are a little bit harder to say and a and little bit harder to get people to listen to. Right. Um, but certainly, you know, I think the US is uh, a leader along with China in deploying technology. There are some places like Japan that are a little more traditional and slower to adopt some new ideas and risk, frankly, falling behind because they're probably losing productivity more than the rest of us are in this, you know, environment where digital has become so important. But I think, you know, clearly the answer for everybody is digital transformation is keep pushing on these ideas that sort of make the, the physical aspects of life a little less important to, uh, you know, productive uh, workers and profitable businesses and, and all those kind of stuff. You know, like, what do they say? You, you know, release yourself from the surly bonds of earth or something like that. You know, it, it's something like that. Like if it didn't matter where I was and I could be anywhere, think what I could do. Right. And digital makes that happen. 
So digital transformation obviously has no end, right? Once a company is on that path, just like we are on the consumer side, there's no fixed end point. But uh, <clears throat> what I'm wondering is, um, where do you think most US companies are uh, on their digital transformation path? Is this something they're still thinking about doing or, or are you seeing more and more companies really now deeply in the process of uh, and committed to changing themselves? Yeah, well, uh, just to share, I, I saw an IDC report um, last week that said uh, globally, uh, companies are going to spend $1.75 trillion on digital transformation initiatives this year. And about 25% of that is in my customer base of manufacturing companies. But I mean, Charlie, it's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more that can and will be done. And again, for us old guys, if I can say that, you know, go ahead. We, we say it all the time. We're, we're part of the club, absolutely. <laughs> Every time we thought we had some idea of where this was going to end, it turns out it hadn't even hardly started when we got there. You know, like, are we in the fifth inning? Or are we still we're still in the top of the first inning, and there hasn't even been an out yet? You, you, know, you know what we say? First we we say uh, we were here at the beginning, and it's still the beginning. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. On, on my side of the equation, working in the entertainment field. It's, a, it's an eerie similar story of what you're talking about in terms of the digital transformation, right? We see it at the consumer level with streaming services and the way we use the internet as an entertainment device. And now the beginnings of the consumerization of virtual reality headsets and maybe mixed reality headsets from you know companies obviously that you're working closely with. But I'm constantly talking to the executive teams that I work with about guys, we are not anywhere even in the real game yet. We're just sort of outside the playing field, scratching yeah. around on this thing. And the big opportunities, the big change is yet to come. And that's, you know, why I have this interesting job. Charlie has this interesting work, you know, with students and, and what we, what he does in the media. Um, it's, it, you can't even begin to describe the day-to-day -day, like fascination of our lives, right? And all these things. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think there's a real message for people, which is, Get moving and keep moving because this stuff is happening fast. And the farther you get behind, the more it's going to hurt you and the harder it is to catch up. And, and I think a lot of companies got that message. You know, they, they watched what Tesla did to the automotive industry. Oh, my God. Uh, and they say, you know, okay, now we need a new play because they just innovated. They tried some new ideas. And wow, they're worth more than the rest of the industry put together now. Um, and I think it's just a it's one of many stories of, uh, you know, the importance of digital and let's say innovation in general, but you know, a huge amount of the Tesla innovation is digital. I mean, there's right. those electric batteries too, but, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, it's a, it's a whole new digital concept, you know, starting from scratch. Really fascinating. Jim, thanks for coming on the show this morning. It was great to catch up with you. Great to see you in quotes. <laughs> and, um, and uh, always exciting to follow uh, the development of PTC, which truly has become one of the most influential companies uh, in our industry. So um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, uh, sharing your insights with us. And hopefully we'll have you back on the show soon. I was going to say, yeah, I, think we should definitely, I think we should definitely have you back because it'd be interesting to dive into some of your specific stories around some of the work that you're going to do in yeah. this next year as it relates to this kind of public awareness now of this yeah. thing and the, one of the largest companies in the world changing their name, which of course, yeah. I are now have to yeah, talk yeah. about. Well, I tell you, I tell you what, Next time you guys invite me back, I'll show up in a metaverse and I'll let you see me physically, well, digitally, physically, but I'll let you also see me in the metaverse and understand what can be done, you know, with 
analytics in space in spatial computing versus what you see with the naked eye. Let's do that. It'd be fun and it'd be a real learning moment right. for your uh, for your customers. I'm, 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 I'm down like a clown. Jim, have a great weekend. Good to see you. Thanks, All Jim. right. See you guys. All, All right, right, everybody. Have a great weekend.